Matthew chapter 17 is the record of the transfiguration of Christ. We're going to be looking at the topic this morning, Revelation interprets experiences. We're going to visit the passage we've been going through verse by verse in 2 Peter chapter number 1 here in just a moment. First, we'll read the account of the transfiguration, and then we'll go to 2 Peter, and we will learn what God has for us today. Matthew 17 and verse 1 says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter and James and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, Talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would help me now as I preach your word. I pray, God, that you would help us to see the importance of a faith that has experiences, but also that those experiences must be guided by your word. Father, I pray you would help us to realize the folly of making experience the rule of truth in our life and not the word of God being the rule of truth in our life. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that's not sure, if they're not sure that they're saved, I pray that today they would realize that they need to be saved. God, I pray you'd help me as I preach. Fill me with your spirit. Use me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a moment. Let's go back to our passage in 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter chapter one, and let's look at verse number 16. We talked last week about how we do not use imagination to determine what guides us through life. It's not my imagination or it's not even my reason. If you look up that word imagination in the Bible, it's not what we typically think of concerning creativity or something along those lines. When the Bible says imagination, it it generally means the word reason, right? God has given us a faculty of reason. It separates us from the animals most of the time. (laughs) Um, But uh, he has given us that reason and reason should not be elevated above God's word, right? It should be put in its proper place. Faith, like an airplane, takes us much farther, okay, 
That's what, that's what faith does. Reason is like a vehicle and it can only take us so far on the ground. But like an airplane, faith can take us much, much farther. Um, and so we don't, we don't uh, allow only reason to guide us. We allow God's word to fill us with faith. And so it says here in 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. Okay, so we're talking about how, uh, let's continue on just for a moment. It says uh, in verse number 18, this voice which, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Peter here, here is teaching us that we are we have not followed these clever fables okay we have not we're not following myths we're not following legends we're not following imagination or creativity and we're not following just pure reason okay um, and so he goes on to say and he, uh, so he's talking about imagination and now he starts getting into um, experiences okay he's giving us this experience that he had. It was an eyewitness experience. Okay? He's going to tell us things that he saw, and then he's going to tell us things that he heard. But then notice he gives us this experience, and we are going to take the time to study this experience because it's important. But notice what he says in verse number 19. Okay? He's saying imagination, then he goes into experience. He says that God's revelation or God's word is more sure than our imagination, and it is more sure than our experiences. Have you ever had an experience, not necessarily a religious experience, but just an experience in life where you were confused by what was happening? Like it just seemed like your senses were a bit off like it's like wow that's that's a really strange phenomenon or a really strange experience um this is just the first thing that comes to mind of something that happened recently and uh i recently trained for a baby triathlon a little tiny baby one like the shortest possible one that you could do and one of these things that you have to do is you have to, you have to swim, obviously. Swim, bike, run. So we went up to Barrie, to the lake up there, Lake Simcoe. And it's early in the morning, and they blow the horn. 
and, uh, and you start to swim. Well, most of the time when people swim, they practice in a pool. And you can see very nicely in a pool. There's a nice, big, long black line that goes straight. It goes straight down and it comes straight back and you just swim down there and you're looking at the bottom of the pool and you're swimming along and then you can just turn around and you can just follow the line. It's really easy. It's really nice. And the water is very clear. Hopefully you're swimming in a pool where the water is clear. And they are generally very pretty clear here in the GTA. When you're in a lake, it's not like that. Even if the water is clear, it gets to the point where it is deep. It's deeper than a pool is. And so it was 7.30 in the morning and you're swimming towards the rising sun, which is another strange thing to experience. And you're, and you put your head in the water to try to take some strokes and you're looking down and you can see the sun coming through the water and the shaft of the sunlight only goes down so far. And then all of a sudden There's like this murky, inky darkness below you. And I'm telling you what, guys, that was not, that was a weird feeling. For me personally, you think, oh, come on, calm down. What's the big deal? It was was just one of these things where it's just like to be out there swimming and you can't see the bottom and you're still supposed to keep swimming. Right. And that's just a very small little experience where it's just like, this is a new experience. This is a new feeling. But we've got to understand that in just that small little thing. And, and, and that's just kind of a silly little illustration that happened just a couple weeks ago. But we've got to understand that in all of the experiences that happen in our life, we're going to experience some very, very amazing and things, uh, good things, things that make us feel amazing. And then we're going to have some other feelings that we think, man, this is really, really bad, or this, this doesn't feel so amazing. And in all of these experiences, we need something that is going to keep us grounded. There are so many times in, 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 in life or in, in, with, with, with Christians where we will have an experience and that one experience alone now becomes the guiding thing in our life. From this experience that I had or because this person did that or because uh, this amazing feeling that I had then or because of this or because of that, it, that now really in essence, if we're not careful, can kind of replace God's word being that which truly guides us in life. Many times people will come to me for advice or they will give me some kind of a problem that they're having and I will do my best. I will try to do my best not to tell them what I think because what I think is probably based on my experiences. Okay. But it should be that which comes from God's word. I'll say, well, well, God's word says this. And they said, well, well, but I feel, well, this is what happened. This is what, this is what happened to me. And it's almost as if they're trying to match up what they experienced as being more sure than what God's word says. We have to be very cautious not to let that happen. Imagine just for a moment if you were Peter and you're one of the three. At the invitation of Jesus, 
you go to the top of this mountain. And you get to see what he saw. It would be very easy for that alone to become the guiding experience of your life and not for your faith to rest on what Jesus said afterward or what his word says afterward. It would be very easy for Peter when he had that experience to come down off of the mountain and then for him to say, well, you need to have this experience as well. It would be very easy for him to say something like that. And we can see here that Peter is saying, yes, I did have this amazing experience. If we take a moment and look at verse number 16, he says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you. Um, he says two things here, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is important for us to realize that this, this thing that happened on the mountaintop, this was this was a demonstration of the power of Christ. And he says, this was a powerful experience. Jesus has the power to change our life. The, uh, in this particular story, there was, uh, it, it, again, it's described as powerful, but Jesus as a, as uh, it, his whole ministry was typified by power. It says in Hebrews 1 and verse number 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus says in Matthew 28, we can look in Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and verse number 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, in heaven and in earth. Peter is describing and he's saying this experience was a powerful experience because Jesus is powerful. We must never forget that Jesus is powerful. He has the power to reveal himself to us that he is God's son. It is not something that we, again, just accept intellectually here, but God in Jesus Christ has the power to reveal to each person that he is who he says he is. This is a personal experience. As we come to him and as we approach him and as we follow him and as we pray and as we read his word, we must realize and Jesus can show us that he is powerful. I need to know that Jesus is powerful to me in my life. And Jesus is the one that, he is the one that reveals that to me. And he's the one that shows that to me. It's very interesting. Um, if you go back to the Matthew, we're going to go back and forth between Matthew and Peter. So if you just kind of want to keep your finger in those places, we can see here in Matthew 17. 
Notice the difference that it had on the apostles after this experience. It says in verse 6, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. In that, those last couple of verses there, it's as if the disciples realized fully, completely, for the first time, that Jesus really was the Messiah. It was revealed to them in this particular moment, in this powerful moment, he really was the Messiah, okay? And then um, they're like, well, how come the scribes are saying that Elias must come first or Elijah has to come first? And Jesus explains to them, well, John the Baptist did come first, okay? And so then they, 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 they really do begin to realize that, uh, that, that, that he was uh, the son of God and that, that, that he was the Messiah in this moment. Um, and that all happened because Jesus revealed to them that he, in power, that he really was who he said he was. And we need to understand that God can do that very thing for us in our, in our own life. If we look at uh, Matthew 17 and verse number 1. Why do we need to make sure that the word of God is our guide in experiences? And we'll just take a few points out of this and then we'll be done for today. But Matthew 17, we can see that it was a powerful experience. But why does Peter say that we have a more sure word of prophecy? Again, he's teaching us, I had this incredible experience and you can have amazing experiences in your life, but don't make that experience alone to be the only thing that guides you in your life. We need God's word to help us interpret these experiences. Why? Why can't experiences be the only thing that guide us? You may have had some amazing experiences in your life, spiritual experiences. Some people, they maybe even go so far as to say that they haven't had any spiritual experiences. God has never shown himself to power. I'm not trying to say he's going to replicate the Mount of Transfiguration for you or for me. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to say that God in a church service, God in a time of prayer, God in a time of worship, can feel, he can, he can make himself feel so real and close to us the way he did in the disciples' life here. Again, not replicating the Mount of Transfiguration, but we can see here, they saw him in a brand new light. Like, wow, we understand you so much better. We get it a little better. 
And we need to understand that the Bible says that Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. And there are many out there who they are thinking that they're having these spiritual experiences with God, but in reality, they're not. Because they don't try to match their experience up with what the Bible actually says. They will have a feeling. Uh, I know a man who was a deacon in a church for a very long time. Married, two, two kids. And he, all of a sudden, found himself, he was probably early 60s at this time. Found himself a girlfriend. Was married, had the girlfriend. Wife found out. What are you doing? He's still out there handing out tracts, telling people about Jesus. He's saying, no, it's fine. Excuse me? There, there's something inside of him that, that he was somehow convinced himself that this was okay. That God was okay with all of this. The Bible says in Jeremiah that our heart is deceitful. And desperately wicked. And who can know it? Because we're sinners. And then this is a description of all of us. If we, listen, if we just let it go, if we just say, I'm going to let an experience or a feeling guide me, and however I feel about this, or however this experience makes me feel about this, or however this experience, what I feel like the, the teaching or the main lesson from this experience and that teaching or that feeling or that experience will now become our guide. Instead of taking that experience like Peter did and coming back to the more sure word of prophecy and saying, okay, this is what I experienced. This is what happened in that experience. It was powerful. It was amazing. But let's make sure that it matches up with what God's word actually says and that I'm not just following a feeling off the cliff. It says in Matthew 17 and verse 1, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart. Okay, let me just mention this. Point number one. Why do we need to make sure that God's word is that which guides our experiences and that the experience itself does not become our guide. The, and the first point is this, is because Jesus, and we'll, we'll get into the part and we'll see where the disciples were terribly confused as what that was happening. But the first point is, is because Jesus led them into this experience. We believe that God allows things to happen in our life, the good and the bad. He allows these things to happen. We try to follow the Lord, but we are flesh. And they've got these three disciples. Listen, don't miss this. 
Jesus was leading them up into the mountain and they're with him. And then when all of this stuff starts happening and Jesus, his countenance, his, his whole, his face begins to shine. I mean, how crazy would that be? What, what, <laughs> he's shining. Basically what happened was he was, he was changed to be on earth the way he is in heaven. That's what happened in this moment. Okay. Uh, well, the Bible says in Philippians 2 that, that he, when, when he came, he put on him the form of a servant. He looked just like everybody else did. Uh, by the way, uh, Jesus was born into servitude in the Roman Empire. He was not born as a citizen with, with all of the rights of a Roman. He was born kind of like second class, third class, someone. So when he's teaching us He's, he, he, he obviously is, was in heaven, but, but when he came to us, he came as someone who was underneath a lot of people. He took on him the form of a servant. Willingly did that. The humiliation that he lived with every single day as the son of God. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was changed. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it's confusing. We need God's word because... We do follow Jesus. We do love him. We do want to know him more intimately. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we will think that because we follow him, we will always be able to understand what's going on in our life. And it's just simply not the case. It's because, listen, we follow him by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. They said, come on, fellas, let's go. And what did Jesus lead them into? He led them into a confusing experience. Yes, it was from God. Yes, it was from God. But let me show you just kind of a little bit of a, not a twist, but let me, this was a positive, amazing, spiritual Definitely 100% God experience. All of God, 100% trustworthy. But if we go to Matthew chapter number four, look at Jesus's experience. We need God's word because why? Experiences can be confusing as to is this, hey, is this good? Should I be going this direction? Is this trustworthy? Is this something I can trust? Is this right? Notice what it says in verse 1, Matthew 4. Then was Jesus, next word, led. The disciples were led by Jesus up to this mountain, and they had a confusing experience, and it was good, and it was positive. But listen, it passed the test of God's word. It passed the test of the more sure word of prophecy. It passed that test. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness, and he was tempted by, the, by Satan for 40 days. And he's got these subtle little suggestions. Why do we need God's word? Because listen, when we're having new experiences in our life, 
We have to have something that does not change to help us be able to pick apart and discern, is this Satan trying to trick me into sin and trying to get me off path? Or is this God trying to expand my experience as a Christian in faith? When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, if you don't have any spiritual discernment at all and you don't know God's word, you would think, what's wrong with that? You're hungry. You've got the power to, Jesus had the power to transform stones into bread. Sure he did. What's wrong with that? But notice what Jesus said, verse four, and he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he goes through there and goes through the rest of the temptation. And each time Satan tried to tempt him, Jesus came back and he said, the word of God says, you guys see the pattern here? We are led by God. We try to be led by God. We, we ask God for guidance. We ask God to lead us. We ask God to show us. Do you want me to come to church here? Do you want me to uh, be with this person? Do you want me to take that job? Do you, want me to, do you want me to go there? Do you want me to do that? And we can be led and we can have a heart full of faith and we can say, yes, I believe God has led me there. But then once you find yourself in that new situation, it can be pretty confusing. And we need God's word to bring us back to clarity. What you see on Google Maps is not the same as what you see in real life. Yeah, the roads are the same. But it's, it looks so simple on Google Maps. Right? Sometimes. It looks so simple. Real life, you're like, what? Is this right? God can lead us into making a decision. And it just looks so different than we thought. Let's look at another one. Acts. The book of Acts. We'll look at another one of Peter's. Acts 10. Verse 9. We need God's word because God, listen, when God leads us, it can, it can be confusing. God is not the author of confusion. He's not leading us into being confused, but we are weak. We're weak. We're flesh. Oftentimes the next move in life does seem to be different than what we thought it would be. And we, we're trusting that God is leading us. Our hearts are open. We're, 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 we're reading his word. And yet when, 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 we, when we arrive in that, in that new decision, in that new situation, we're thinking, what? what is happening? What is happening, guys? God, what is happening? And listen, and in that moment, in that moment of leadership, Satan can come and he can whisper things and he can confuse us. We've got to have something that is a consistent guide for our life. And it's the word of God. It is the more sure word. Notice Acts 10 and verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. 
And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision, which he had seen, should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry for Simon's house, and had stood before the gate. And Simon called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. God was trying to get Peter to go give the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter didn't want to do it. He didn't even think about it. It wasn't even on his mind. But he was serving the Lord and he was open to God's leadership. So he goes up to the, to the top of the house to pray. Remember the houses there had flat roofs and I'm sure some of you are familiar with that type of a house and you can, you know, the staircase goes up there and that's where they would kind of sit and that's where the breeze comes and so he's up there and then he's got this vision from the Lord. Now remember Peter was a prophet so he has visions. All right? So the vision came down and all of these all of these various animals. Now remember Jews had very strict dietary laws. And the voice from heaven says, rise, kill and eat, which I mean, there was everything in there, all manner of creeping. That's what it's talking about. All the, all the stuff he wasn't supposed to eat was in there. This is a new experience. And you know what he's doing? He's confused. And he's arguing with God. You ever done that? No, not so, Lord. Good Christian. I mean, Peter's a good Christian. A prophet, an apostle. The same guy that wrote Second Peter that we're reading later on. Same guy. And God's trying to get, he's trying to get the gospel to the whole Gentile world. And Peter's over here saying, no, 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 no. God, I'm open to your leadership, but I'm not doing that. Confused. Notice it says in verse number 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself. We need God's word because we are frail. God's leadership in our life oftentimes doesn't look like the way we thought it would be. It's different. Experiences that God wants us to have can be confusing. The batteries in my thing just went out. Experiences that God wants us to have can be confusing. And if we're not, if we're not careful in that confusion and in that leadership that God is leading us, if we don't go to God's word the way Jesus did when he was tempted in his new experience, 
and we don't have God's word to guide us in that new experience that God wants us to have to make our faith grow, for us to go farther for God, for for other people to greatly benefit. If we don't go to God's word, then we will end up falling into the temptation of, of Satan and our life will get more difficult and more confusing and more frustrating. Guys, listen, it is amazing. Oh, I wish. Sometimes preachers feel so limited. I wish that I could just Sometimes I feel like I'm preaching about a gift that's all wrapped up and I wish, I wish I could just rip it open and just show it to you clearly. But it is amazing to me how many times people come up to me and they just say, I listen to this person on the internet and it sounds so good. Or they start making decisions and they start going off in their life and they start walking away from church and walking away from God and walking away. And there's like, oh no, I pray all the time and God's leading me. And it's just like, I've got these feelings and I know God, I, you can get so touchy feely about faith and you're, you're so far away from God's word. You're way, way far away from God's truth. But it feels good. It feels right. It feels amazing. I think I'm just going to follow my own path. I think I'm just going to craft my own spiritual experience. People will say, oh, You have just fallen for an angel of light. That was Satan who's transformed himself into an angel of light. How do you know? How can you say that to people? Well, I don't because they won't listen. But I know because they, when's the last time you read your Bible? God's leading me over here. He's wanting me to do this. When's the last time you read your Bible? It's been a while. How do you know that's God leading you? Oh, I saw this thing. It popped up on the internet and I, and I have a feeling that's God telling me to. How do you know that it's not Satan trying to tempt you to go do a thing that's completely against God? And he's sitting there and he's just like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And how can you be so convinced? And how do you know that it's him? That, that it's God? When in reality it's Satan. Pastor, you trying to scare us? Yes! Scare us into what? Scare us into depending wholeheartedly on God's word. Scare you into wholeheartedly depending on the more sure word of prophecy. If you go to a church and you like every sermon the pastor preaches and, and, and you never feel uncomfortable, oh my goodness, come on guys. That ain't Bible. As long as it's coming straight from the book, uh, 
God is higher and holier than we are, and we should feel uncomfortable sometimes. We should feel challenged. We should feel guilty occasionally. Peter here was confused. We need God's word because when new experiences come and seasons of life change and difficulties happen, we need something that's going to guide us that is always the same. One last verse and we'll be done for today. First Peter, this is first Peter chapter one. First Peter. First Peter, please. First Peter chapter one. First Peter one, verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. Notice verse 24 is taught. It's just describing grass. It's comparing us to grass. (laughs) Flowers and grass is temporary. It shoots up and then the next day it's gone. And that's why we need something that is more durable than just our own ability to interpret a feeling or an experience. Grass. Look at verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Thank God. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I need something that transcends my feelings, that helps me interpret my experiences, that shows me whether or not something in that confusing moment is God leading me, like Jesus leading the men up to the top, or Peter with this vision that comes down, even though it's uncomfortable and it's something I've never done before, but it's faith and God is getting... Or it's, no, that's a temptation. That's Satan. He's trying to get you to do the wrong thing. How do I know the difference? God's word will teach you the difference. That has to be the rule of my, in my life. It's revelation. It's God's revelation in his word over experiences. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.